Which next step is the best fit for your future? What can you do to accelerate your professional development? And how should you navigate different workplace challenges? I'm Kyle Gantos, and our team is on a mission to crowdsource insights, best practices, and action plans from accomplished peers, all who began their career in Big Four, to help guide you wherever you want to grow. Hello, and welcome to another episode of So You Started in Big Four. My name is Kyle Gantos, and... Today, we're going to be talking about six skills that big four CPAs should be developing early in your career to help you fast track promotions later. And I'm joined by two special guests today who know a thing or two about putting yourself in a position for career growth. Uh, Callie, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Thank you. I'm good. A little chilly here in Dallas today, <laughs> but excited to be here in the new podcast setup. I haven't seen it yet. Excited. Welcome. Um, and uh, welcome to the show, David. How are you? Yes, doing good. Thanks for having me. First time participating, so maybe a little nervous, <laughs> but we'll be okay. That's gr- that's yeah. perfectly all right. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if we can't um, calm things down. Natural. I think something we'll be going through that's going to maybe pop in a, a couple times. Just yep. being nervous, new situations we haven't gone through, and uh, that's that's part of growing. So uh, before we we kind of get into the first question, I, I would just to help our audience understand. Uh, some of your experiences, maybe talk a little bit about where you started in your careers and kind of some of the different promotions that you've you know positioned yourself for, Kelly. Yeah. So I started in actually consulting um, right out of college at a CPA firm. Um, and then I worked at an oil and gas company and then came here senior associate. Um, and then a year into being here, promoted a manager. So I've been a manager about two years. And then also helped a Koji be promoted in my time here as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, David, how about you? I started in industry. So I started as an intern actually for that company. And I just worked myself up a little bit in there. I I was four years in internal audit, various positions in that, just in the internal audit position. Uh, intern, associate, integrated associate, like IT and regular audit. Um, more of a socks role, then transitioned to the treasury department, just wanted to learn new items. And now I'm a consultant. Um, been here for year and uh, almost two years. Uh, got promoted about six months ago here. Um, so it's been a great time. Well, congrats to you both. Uh, having an opportunity to kind of see things uh, from from my vantage point. Uh, mm-hmm. Not surprised that both of you got promoted <laughs> and, uh, you know, being around you, I think is, has been a positive influence. So excited to just dive in a little bit into your wisdom. Uh, first thing, just starting off, I think, you know, there's this natural tendency early in our careers to, to focus a lot on the technical side. And that is certainly important, but would be curious to to get both of your thoughts on you know, where is the importance of experience, uh, technical skills, as opposed to, you know, uh, expertise and soft skills? I would say technical skills are good to have. They're going to impress people, um, maybe open doors. But the the soft skills, the people skills is what's going to keep you inside um, and make help you maneuver within the room. Um, build relationships. So, I mean, they're both important. Uh, they both play different aspects in whatever um, role you may be in, what stage of life you've been, you might be in. I try to focus a little more on the on the soft skills, the people skills. That's 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 what I feel my strength is. For sure, I think that when you come out of college and you start your career, you think mm-hmm. I need all I've, these certifications. I've, I need all this technical experience. All these companies are introducing all this data analytics and software and all this stuff is coming out and you're like, oh, I need to know all of it. But I think nothing speaks more towards your success and accomplishments as the actual experience that you've been exposed to and have been able to provide value in those experiences. And also just like the people skills, like what people say about you and how what it was like to work with you, I think, speaks more than what you have on a piece of paper saying what you're qualified for. Would you say that to some extent, the skills that you have are almost like table stakes? That's 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 what gets you a seat or creates opportunities for you. But what you do with those opportunities is maybe more influenced by 
the intangible, mm-hmm. the soft skills. Yeah, I think there's going to be a level of expectation depending on where you're at in your career, how many years you're at, whether you're a senior associate or manager, you're expected to have certain skills, which that's that kind of puts you, yeah, on the playing field, like you're all equal. But what sets you apart is those people skills, those non-technical skills and experiences where you've been able to prove yourself. Yeah, that's a great point about setting apart, setting each other apart. You might be in this in a room that majority of the people have the same qualifications, all CPAs, have a really good background in school, same similar projects, right? But you have to, you have to make sure that you can stand up from your peers, right? Or you want to stand up from your peers, and I think a good way to do that is building those relationships, um, going a little above and beyond, not just in your technical skills, but um, but yeah. I, I know, you know, one thing for me early in my career, and I wonder if either of you ever felt this, but, you know, you, you can't help it when you're first starting off how much experience you have. Yeah. You know, every every new project, every new chance you get to to go either learn new skills or show what you can do with those skills. You know, early in your career, you've got six months, you've got two years, you can't magically turn that into 25 years of experience. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be frustrating, right? But But I think there are, you know, when, when you're in an environment where it's show me what you can do with the skills that you have, or conversely, when you're in an environment where it really does feel like, no, it's, I can't do this until I have another year of experience. Mm-hmm. How does that dynamic play a role in your development? Is that, you know, that, that can be frustrating. Is that mm-hmm. something that, you know, you accept or is that, is, is that maybe, is there another perspective to that? That's like, well, maybe this just isn't the right Maybe this isn't the right fit right now, as opposed to you're just not good enough to do these things. Yeah, I think the environment you're in definitely plays a factor into that as well. Like what do your supervisors or your bosses or what kind of culture does a company promote in regards to that? I think for me specifically, when I first started out in consulting right out of college, I was with a group of peers. We were all the same level of experience right out of college. And I, with my months of experience, was not ever going to be a senior associate at that level. There's no way they're going to promote you to senior associate. Um, But what I did do was I proved myself on that project, gained a lot of knowledge in a short time. And I was able to lead a team without the title of senior associate. But that so that I think being an environment that lets you do that that says hey you're doing great work you really know what's going on you've got a grasp you're really good at delegating work I think you should lead this team because there was a shortage of senior associates so I think depending on your environment that is what you would hope for as an associate coming straight out of college or only a year or two into your career. David, you you worked in some different environments, uh, different firms, and had different roles, worn different hats. What if you're what if you're in a situation where it's almost the opposite of the experience Kelly had where it's like, you know, we're we're not going to even allow you to do this until you check this box or mm-hmm. that box. What do you well, you know, what then? Yeah. That's a <laughs> tough situation. That's um I personally just would would get frustrated. Um I get I feel like I get bored. I don't know if bored is the correct word, but I get bored easily. I I tend to give a hundred percent like immediately. And then I, I feel like, okay, I'm ready for the next step. I can't keep giving a hundred percent. Give me more. And if I'm not giving more, it's when I lose interest. I was like, well, there's no, uh, I feel like I've, I've done what I could. So I think by that, by that point, if I'm restricted, I, I think that's when I would start looking elsewhere. I mean, another, either I know the project or I, I, I also think that I would maybe try to make my own project, my own pathway, uh, maneuver myself into a different team, see what's out there. Um, yep. It's great stuff. And I mean, obviously that's, that's not the most enjoyable position mm-hmm. to be in, but it, it also is, uh, I saw a quote we're, we're doing October and I saw a quote, today's quote was from Michael Jordan. It was like, uh, you know, turn every opportunity and or turn every challenge into an opportunity, something to that mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I think it kind of goes back to mindset, but uh, I'm glad we kind of started here because I, I think there's a couple, there's a takeaway already, which is, you know, 
there are things that you can control and then there are things that you can't control. Right. And so if we're going to talk about skills that you should be developing, then this is very much going to be within the realm of things that you can control and whether, whether you're making extra time or creating your own opportunities to develop these skills, somehow, some way they're going to open doors over time. Right. Um, so, so let's jump into the first one because I think you alluded to it a little bit. Uh, both of you have actually, uh, and that is curiosity. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody recently and the, the, over dinner and the discussion came up like there's this, this huge emphasis on like follow your passion. And we kind of deconstructed that because it, that can, that can be a little bit dangerous, but I think we, we deconstructed it to the point where it actually was more about how curious are you to learn and figure out the answer and the reasons why things work the way they do. Um, both of you have had multiple promotions. How has curiosity played a role? And making that happen for yourselves. I think it's it hasn't hurt. Right? <laughs> um, it's it allows you for others to see how open you are to different challenges, um, how comfortable you are with stepping into an unknown, stepping into a dark room, maybe failing during those during that process. Um, so it's it helps people see a little bit of who you are, a little bit of a you wanting more. Um, I think that's the way I see curiosity. Uh, I, and I Back to what Callie was saying, I think you have to be in the right environment. You have to have a, a leader who's willing to invest in you to, to have, take the, take the chance. Like, okay, yeah, he might not have, he or she might not have, the best experience, but they're curious and they want to be there. So let's go ahead and let's go for them. Curiosity come naturally for you, Callie. Is I that think I'm a naturally very very curious person. I'm always googling stuff. I'll see a reference to something in a book or a movie, and I'm like, "What is that?" So like, I need I, I have like a a fear of like not that I don't know everything, but it's like I just want to know more about things I don't know. And I think we brought this up when we were just like having this conversation previously of like you don't know what you don't know, which I think can be scary because. You, when you're starting out in your career, you kind of want to know the path you're going on. You want to know, okay, I'm going to be this level for this many years. I'm going to be this. And then I'm going to become a, this role and I'm going to work at this company. And like, my life is set up, but like, you don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. You don't really know what kind of skills or passions you're going to find later in your career that really like navigate that for you. For example, I was really curious about living abroad and living in a new culture. So I did it. And I think that is like, the pinnacle of like me being curious is like, I'm curious, but I act on it too. Um, and then like working in oil and gas and then coming here and like all the different roles I've had, I think has been driven by curiosity. Like, like when you said you switched roles within internal audit, like different teams within that and different functions within that, because like for us, like, I feel like a higher, a high achiever, like you want to know more and like, you're not content with just doing like the same task over and over and over again, which is ultimately why I left my last job was, I knew there was more out there and I wanted to know what it was. Do you think part of that then was also when you get to a point where your curiosity can't be satisfied? Yeah. It's almost like, a, well, I got I need to be in an environment where I am allowed to be curious, where I can go find those answers. And maybe some of them lead to a dead end. Like, okay, I learned about this. That's, eh, I'm not really that interested <laughs> in that, but I learned about this and oh my gosh, yeah. like, I can't wait to dive deeper. And now, now you've got some passion for something mm -hmm. because you- were given the opportunity to explore a bit. For sure. I think my last role before being here the past almost three years, I was very siloed into this is your job. These are your expectations. Don't go outside of this. Like even if you have free time, don't really explore anything. And there wasn't really many initiatives to get involved with. And I think since being here the past like two and a half years, I've, I can be curious whether that's project based, different projects I'm on. They've been some have been very different from others or just like wanting to learn about something and like have those conversations with my coach or leadership. Like, Hey, I'm curious about this. Can I be involved in this? Or can I learn more? Or can I display like thought leadership and lead this effort? How did you, you, you put together, you, you said something earlier, David, about 
maybe you go create the opportunity mm-hmm. for yourself. And Callie, you 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 led a series of lunch and learns, mm-hmm. women in leadership that you know, like seems like half the company attended and, yeah. and got some value from those. That's not part of your job description, but it's something that seems like I don't I don't know what what drove that. I guess would be my question. yeah. I guess just like seeing other people talk about it like online or in articles and just like women's energy behind a positive environment to be vulnerable or to discuss things that you wouldn't on your like project and kind of having that space outside of your specific team or coaching tree of like, Hey, I want to talk about this. Like, this is hard or, Hey, I learned this and I want to help other people. And I think that was the most beneficial aspect of it. And I think honestly, being curious about that topic and taking on that initiative helped me probably the most since I've been here with my soft skills, like non-technical skills, like being able to like voice my passions and being able to like pursue that and organize the lunch and learn and facilitate it and get feedback and learn and grow. Like those are things you're not necessarily going to learn all the time on a specific project or even in a role if the environment doesn't allow you to. What are you, when you both look at some of the, you know, the different places that you've worked or, you know, you look at younger folks just starting their career at a, at a college, what are some gaps or reasons why maybe curiosity is stifled? Is that, you know, you, you mentioned you're, it almost seems like you're born with it, right? But like when, when you look and take the lay of the land, where 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 is curiosity falling short in people and why? I think it may be on, on the system, if you think of, pub, of public accounting, is it's a very like the steps are laid out for you, and there's not much freedom, there's not much wiggle room. So I think they uh, students are are just so concentrated on on this one role, and they're just being th- taught to to think this way, right? Um, but I think. So I hope people realize that there's there's room to grow. There's you don't have to go uh, what society, what the system is telling you. You can go different ways. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's that's where it's been it's been stifled. What are some ways to to kind of leave our audience with some practical ways that they could develop this or maybe break through this kind of perceived barrier of this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm not allowed to do this yet. Mm-hmm. What are some things that, um, you know, that people could, could actually do to practice or strengthen their curiosity? I would just say ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sometimes I'm just asking questions because, um, I'm, I'm just curious about a certain topic, but people perceive that as like, I make myself look better than I'm intending to. Uh, people are like, oh, wow, this this kid is really interested. Like early in my career, I was just asking questions and then a leader will come up to me and will start talking to me about more of that certain topic. And I'm just like, I really just wanted to know one thing. <laughs> uh, but now I'm like in this whole thing. But yeah, just ask, asking questions. Uh, don't be afraid to, to speak up. Uh, go up to next time you're at a... Um, at a, a at a at a company meeting or a uh, a meeting with higher up people afterwards, just go up to them. I'm like, hey, my name is my name is David. Um, I like what you said here, and then start a conversation. And I think that's going to open a lot of doors for you. Just asking questions. Yeah, I think just being around people that have more experience than you, and like either they've been through it or they know someone that's dealt with that topic and they can have a lot more insight and just like asking people around you like, hey, you're at this level. How did you get there? And like hearing other people's stories, I think is just super impactful on kind of, again, like what you you don't know, what you don't know. So it's like getting exposed to that through like conversations and people being that resource. Um, And then just like understanding, I guess, just like wanting to know why things are the way they are. I feel like we talked about that too. It's just like, I I know what is happening. I know what I need to do, but why? And understanding like, why do I need to do this? And then seeing how that impacts another area of accounting or another area of the business. Okay, so if I'm doing this because this and that because of that. And it's kind of like, now I like, I'm more interested in all this path forward because I know 
what I've done to impact that. And, oh, I really like that area of accounting. So I'm going to go do that. And like, it's kind of opening doors for yourself when you kind of follow that trail of how did I get from a journal entry to the financial statements <laughs> or just like any specific area or industry, you can kind of open those doors. That's a great point. I mean, there are a couple of things coming to mind, listening to both of you talk, mm-hmm. which is there's the just asking why, or, or even, you know, you maybe, maybe you don't know what you don't know, but maybe you just want to get some exposure and say, mm-hmm. Hey, can I take notes in this meeting? I think was an idea that mm-hmm. the one, one of you had, but, but it's, there's two things happening here. One, one you're getting information, uh, mm-hmm. but you're also like the way you put it, David, is you're also, sh- you're kind of, your brand is then becoming that this, this person is curious. This mm-hmm. person wants to see how this works. This person wants to appreciate the different dynamics that are in play for when you're you know, really focused on this scope of work. And then maybe now you're looking at it through the context of developing your people. And then maybe now you're looking at it through the context of, of growing the business or the client relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you just start to, it seems like early in your career, you, we don't know what we don't know. So you're focused on getting the job done. But as you would go through it, you start to see the same experience through 20 different lenses and you mm-hmm. start to uncover all these different ways that you can execute better simply by asking questions like why. For mm-hmm. sure. Which brings us to number two, which is, I, I think, something that is, uh, I know in our previous discussion came up, but just resourcefulness, mm-hmm. um, which, which is kind of a mindset. But mm-hmm. where, where are you seeing, you know, resourcefulness become a, something that fuels growth or, or impedes growth when you just look around it, you know, specifically people maybe earlier in their career, but throughout? Yeah, I think the biggest... I guess skill that I developed early on that had me stand out against my peers and be a team leader was kind of resourcefulness and being able to solve problems. I think when you're starting on your career, like, of course, you're not going to have done this before, but like what you do with it is what is going to set you apart and what is going to kind of build your resume and people's perception of you too. So I think like, not so i've i'm working in a system i've never used before but like how can i know how to use it can, are there documents on the shared drive or something obviously that someone's done this before can i ask them or like how would i solve this problem in a different situation cuz like yes all softwares are going to be a little bit different or certain uh technical accounting topics are going to be a little bit different but like how did you go out and solve it before like you can kind of use that same methodology on various different topics even if they have completely different um, purposes, but you can still use kind of resourcefulness of like, how am I going to solve this problem? Who should I ask? Um, and I think that set me apart because my coworkers, some of them were just like, I'm just showing up for my nine to five. I'm just doing what's expected of me. Um, I think that really helped me get set apart by wanting to be able to solve the problem in like a value added way. What can you help me appreciate? Yeah. The difference between like training. So I'm, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of a role where maybe I come in, hit the ground running and maybe my training isn't that great. So resourcefulness in that context mm-hmm. could be me just, hey, what? why do we do it this way? Yeah. Or I'm running into this. This isn't maybe even my job, but mm-hmm. how do I do this so that I can be resourced to other people mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe the training was really, really good, yeah. but wanting to maybe go to the next level or, or figure out how the system actually works so that I can maybe optimize it. Yeah. I think the biggest help that I've come across when I'm trying to solve a specific problem is understanding the why, because then you can know where to look. Like I, something's off in my SAP system. Why? Well, what did I load into it? What contributed to that? What else was loaded into the system? Like what other factors do I need to consider other than why is this number wrong? So like thinking more collectively of like what all has impacted it before that can help me solve the problem and be more resourceful versus just going to my boss and being like, Hey, this is wrong. I don't know why. Can you help me? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that's a good, ex- I don't know. It yep. seems like you had something. I don't <laughs> want to cut you off. Yeah. I think on that going a little, going one more step, trying to figure out why. Mm-hmm. And if you still fail, that's okay. Yeah. Like you don't have to know the answer. You don't have to, uh, figure out a solution, but you can provide, different ways of not how not to do it right like this is what i've done this is what i did it's I, i'm still not there um can you help me out from here uh, so I, that's also an important aspect of being resourceful which is 
figuring out ways not to do it correctly until you find the, the correct way. The right way is always the last way you try. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> but, well, let me ask you this. For, through the lens of time management, right? There, I could see there would maybe some situations where maybe the most efficient path is to, to ask somebody mm -hmm. for the sake of time. But then mm -hmm. the trade-off there is, is that maybe you're not on, you, you know, maybe you're getting an answer to a question, but if you don't understand the why behind the answer to the question, then there's so many future opportunities that may never present themselves because you'd you're not getting that knowledge. So when is the right time to, you know, put in a little bit of work before asking the question versus I'm going to go ask the question. Yeah. Um, I think if you put in a situation that just the time isn't there and you just need a quick answer, um, you can, the way I would take that, I would take that as even an opportunity for, to gather feedback. And then that, that, goes back into the curiosity of like, okay, yeah, the, this person just wanted the answer, got the answer, but later on when, when there is time to talk about what happened, he's asking feedback. He's one, he's wanting to know why now I'm seeing it in a different lens than just getting the answer and then moving on, never touching it again. Kelly, is there a, again, trying to leave our audience with a, a practical way, whether mm -hmm. it be a, a goal you set, a reminder, a habit that you want to develop what are what, what's a way that somebody can take their resourcefulness to the next level or and mindfully be developing that skill? Hmm, it's a good question. <laughs> I think I kind of to David's point, like when you're crunched for time, like it's hard to, you know, kind of go back to problems that you weren't able to solve or to kind of go back to situations where you're like, dang, if I had just done this myself, like I would have looked really good. But then I had to go to my senior and ask them for help. But like, obviously for the, for the sake of time, like you can't. So I think when you do have those moments, like just studying up on whatever you're doing. So specifically, I work in a lot of oil and gas. So like spending extra time, whether in the morning looking at like news articles, there's always stuff going on, M&A activity in oil and gas, and just like understanding the operations of oil and gas and understanding, um, looking at material that's been developed um, for trainings or just like internal document processes, like spending even just like an hour a, a day or a couple of days a week. That's kind of a lot, but like using your time downtime, like wisely and resourcefully, like, Hey, I am booking revenue every month. Maybe I should understand more about the business or the industry I'm working in. So like, how is that, how is that impacting other areas of the business or like, what is, what, what is impacting the numbers I'm booking and accounting? So kind of just like, getting more of a holistic picture of what you're doing. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to curiosity and being passionate. Like if you don't like a specific industry you're working in, or if you don't like a specific technical area, like I don't think you're going to be willing to put in the effort. Yep. So it's got to be something you passionate, but like you're curious about, like I mm -hmm. like oil and gas. I'm going to spend the time to understand it. So, and, and you know what, and, and if you don't, maybe that's a sign that, yeah. you know, keep, uh, keep crossing stuff if off it's the too list much until of a you burden, find something. Yeah. yeah. Um, David, I know you had a, 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 another tip along the lines of here of, of showing your work and maybe you could talk about, you know, the application of that, but, you know, tell me a little bit more how that develops and why that can be important. Yeah. I mean, it shows, it shows your resourceful, it shows that you're curious, but it also shows that, um, that you're willing to try, you're willing to fail, you're willing to, to be vulnerable and the right leader they will see that they would invest in you um, instead of going to another associate who is just giving up on the on the first time it gets hard. Um, so it it, sh it shows the character that you have. Um, so I think that's that was one of the first feedbacks that I got early in my career was about hey just at least try one or two things. Um, and if you don't get it, that's okay. Come to me, but I want to see that, that you're at least trying and not just raising your hand when, as soon as it gets hard. G great habit to developing great mindset to be mm -hmm. developing. There's some level of accountability there. And then I think also from a contextual standpoint, when you come to me with that, it helps me understand not just how to answer the question, but how to maybe provide some additional perspective sure. beyond mm -hmm. what you've already got, which now we're, we're both actually helping mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. Um, the next topic, we can just breeze over it. Communication doesn't really affect anything in our lives, does it? <laughs> Easy so, peasy. Um, uh, 
so let's talk about that, right? We've, we've got, you know, project management. We've got, you know, presentations when you're, you know, maybe talking a client through what a solution might be. We've mm-hmm. got different, you know, re- resolving conflicts that are going to happen when two different human mm-hmm. beings with different backgrounds and personalities may see things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Kind of an obvious question, why is communication so important? But may, So we'll skip past that. But we're... we're what are some ways that you see, you know, communication being an enabler to get to that next level and helping everybody get aligned versus doing the opposite? Where is the struggle? Where is the gap for for so many of us when it comes to communication? I think the fear of sounding dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I I struggle a lot writing emails or Slack messages. Just like how do I how do I not sound as dumb? Is <laughs> <laughs> is my goal? Like I. I'm asking for help, so I'm obviously saying that I don't know the answer. Um, but I think the hard part is just putting yourself out there and and knowing, dealing with that feeling of of knowing that you don't know the answer. Um, I think that's well, at least for me, that's the hardest part about. And I guess that's asking for help communication wise, but. Yeah, I think being, it's a skill, being able to provide effective and efficient communication. I think that's definitely something I didn't learn a lot of in college. Um, I definitely had to learn it on the job in real time, communicating with controllers or CFOs or stakeholders that you're working on with your project or even just senior management on your project. Like, what do they want to know? How do they want to know it? And how often do they want to know it is like the biggest mystery (laughs) when you're first starting out. And so I think that is where a lot of people do fail is I think being able to effectively communicate and give off a vibe when you're communicating really does set you apart. And it's different for every, every Mm -hmm. leader that you're going to talk to. Yeah. It's a constant adjusting thing. So you're never going to get it perfect because it's always going to be different every mm-hmm. single time. We've reached the midway point of this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom that can help you work smarter to level up faster. Speaking of which, have a follow-up question or future topic request? Email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll help you get wherever you want to grow. And now, back to the discussion you could have a million reps with a million different people. And then the next person you meet is going to have a, yep. a different communication mm-hmm. style, a different personality, be at a different point in their life. And there's yep. that, that's like a never ending thing. Yeah. Um, I, I remember this, this popped into my head. I, I think I was in like fifth grade <laughs> and it was uh, it was an exercise in communication. And it was, I think it was an actually an air traffic controller came into oh, our no. class <laughs> and they were trying to illustrate like how challenging their job was. And so there was like 10 people, and then you were the air traffic controller. So you had to you had to give instructions to these 10 people. And so they're walking in a straight line and you had to make sure they didn't run into walls or didn't run into <laughs> each other. So, right. So it'd be oh, like, man. David, take a 90 degree turn to the right. Right. And yeah. so you just saw how, how many different ways communication mm-hmm. can break down. But it was also, you know, showed you the different perspectives and why this is important and how to get everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. If we accept the fact that no matter how much knowledge and practice reps you have in this particular area, the next person you're dealing with is going to have some some little aspect of it that's mm-hmm. different than then what is the what is the habit or the mindset that we can take from my experiences with you David and mm-hmm. my experiences with you Callie and then when I go and have a meeting mm-hmm. with one somebody on my team what can I take into that as a best practice to elevate my communication yeah i think this skill is not necessarily the method of communication or like, I'm really good at writing emails. I think it's the skill is reading people and understanding people and kind of that asking the right questions, understanding expectations and understanding what is important to them and providing that value, I think is the skill. What if I'm just going back in my own career, I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. right? So I I don't even know how to read David right now, <laughs> right? But what is something that can help me? Is there a habit that I can do to help me get information to start highlighting there's mm-hmm. different things that I could learn simply by, I don't know, doing something different or, or developing a best practice? 
Yeah, I mean, you can always just ask. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like, exactly. hey, I'm in charge of providing monthly or weekly status updates. How would you like this? Yep. Do you want it in an email? Do you want it as a document attached? Um, do you, if we provide two pages, is that too many? Or what level of granular detail do you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want numbers and amounts and dates? Um, or do you want just high level, more short bullet points? And it all goes back to what they are used to. It's not about you and it's not about mm -hmm. your team. It's about them and what can be the most valuable to them and effectively communicated. So you can just straight up ask, what do you want? Um, I think they would much rather appreciate that than you providing something they don't want and not ask. And then also just like getting to know them. Like if I get to know David, I can know his personality and how charismatic or extroverted or introverted he is. And that might also give me signs on kind of how he would prefer. Like, do you want a meeting set up weekly or do you want a, just an email? So you can just do other things and not have to talk to me <laughs> for 30 minutes. So yeah. kind of understanding their personality can also give you insight into what they might want. Yeah. But I think asking is just don't be afraid to ask because they would much rather appreciate that for sure. I think a good habit is the first time that you're meeting with somebody and you get on those questions out the way, like the very first meeting, because then after a while, it just becomes awkward to ask the question again. So I think if you ask it on the first time, um, and I did that in my last client and it was, it, it helped a lot. Um, they even told me, Hey, I wouldn't have, it was a process that's been done for the same for a long time. And I was, Hey, I'm new. I'm going to take, be taking over. Do you need to change anything? Is everything still good? And I'm like, well, I've never would have told you anything else. I actually don't need half of this, so <laughs> you can exclude everything. So it helps me by doing less work. And then they're getting the information that they want to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those I think that question is a good it's a good thing to have on in the very first meeting. And uh, you brought this up early in the conversation, but just the the external lens of viewing that again, it's somebody that like cares, they want to go above and beyond, and they're really here to serve me, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, having that brand and that reputation uh, established for yourself over time is, is also going to open doors. I know there's going to be somebody out there that hears this and is like, I'm already four weeks into a project and I haven't asked these <laughs> questions. It's still, it's still okay to ask. It, yeah. Right? yeah. That, it's, it's, it's better than not. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so... The next thing, this is this is something I think, you know, probably most of us struggle with, and that is advocating for yourself. Yeah, I think we we can all understand what that means, but what, for you at least individually, what has been your experience with kind of, you know, promoting yourself or you know, championing? You know, has that been something that's been challenging for you? If so, why? Absolutely challenging for me. It's one of the things that I've put more attention lately. Um, my personal experience being a minority, there's a different layer to it as well about, hey, I'm I'm even grateful to have what I have right now. Um, and that's what I, that was my mentality when I first started. And I wish I could have told myself, hey, like you deserve just as much as everybody else deserves. Mm -hmm. um, I think what helped me out was finding a mentor finding someone who who was helping me see my self-worth, my the the value that I bring to the team, having somebody who can help you see that and they can advocate for you too. So it's a, it's a little easier if someone advocates for you uh, for you than you do it to yourself, but you still have to show the value to somebody and um I think if you do it to the right person uh, um it could be very beneficial. I'm curious that whoever the mentor was, was there something they said to you at some point that was like the light bulb moment? Because because I understand what you're saying, but mm -hmm. I'm curious how for for you, what was the breakthrough? Uh, well, my mentor, he's he's also a minority, and so I think a seeing somebody who looks like me in a in a position. Um, he was a director, so seeing somebody that high up. Believing in me was was the was the thing that did it for me. Um, yeah. How about you, Kel? Yeah, I think it's it's not easy. <laughs> That's for sure. I think yeah. it's hard because you want to be humble, especially at yeah. our age or when you're in your twenties and you are like, oh, I'm just starting on my career, but like 
if you've actually provided value and you've actually gotten positive feedback from clients or teammates, like why not express that? We are in a, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast or you work at our company, you're probably a high achiever. And so you're not going to fast track your promotion or grow if you're not advocating for yourself. You can't just put your head down and work and work and work and just hope someone's going to notice you. I mean, it might work, but I don't think that's been the experience for most of us. And so I think first the relationships that you you build are so important. We'll kind of talk about that later too, but having someone also kind of be in your corner and want you to advocate for yourself is helpful, Mm -hmm. but also just again, it goes back to the environment of like, I, my first job right out of college, I felt not safe, but like I've, I had the ability to advocate for myself and I could have those conversations. And I think going to your boss or going to leadership and asking for feedback and wanting to improve that for that in itself is advocating for yourself. Like yep. I want to be better. I know I'm not perfect, but I've also provided value in all these different areas. And I think you talking about that brings it to the forefront of their mind. Cause like, you don't know what's going on in someone else's mind. They have a lot of people to be accountable to. So I think you can't just kind of hope you're going to get noticed or hope you're going to be fast tracked on promotion. If you're not willing, like willing to talk about it, okay. even if it's hard and scary. <laughs> well, then they, I mean, there's some overlap here with curiosity and mm-hmm. communication as well. But, but by even just asking that question yep. or, or share, sharing that desire to get to the next level mm-hmm. and maybe even an acknowledgement or vulnerability, like, I don't know how, how can you help me mm-hmm. is another way to open. I think that's sure. a really good point. It's hard to remember what you did a year ago. So if, if you can, Keep track of your progress. Keep track of what you've done well, what you haven't done well. Asking for that feedback when you need to ask for it, you'll have documentation of what you've done, and it's gonna help. It's gonna help you advocate for yourself because you have that, that track record, and it's not just oh, what did I do a week ago? So, yeah, you're definitely gonna forget. I had advice um, from a client that I discussed feedback with, and he said when I get like review comments that say, "Hey, this is great," I document they said this hey, this is great. And then I document what it was. Mm -hmm. And so he he was like, I keep an Excel sheet of, I write down every praise or feedback, piece of feedback that's positive I get. Like a client pinged me one time during a meeting and said, hey, you're doing so well, you're so prepared. Like write that down because you're not gonna remember that. (laughs) And then like that just kind of like builds to your value add. If your clients are sitting here giving you positive feedback or someone else, like that's important to keep track of. And you see that frequency or you see the, the quality of the feedback mm-hmm. you've gotten, you're like, man, like I'm, I'm doing a really good job. Like, and that does give you the more confidence to be able to effectively advocate for yourself. I'm glad that you said that too, because I, I think there's many different types of personality types. And mm-hmm. I, I think probably the majority of the people we tend to, to work with or be around have a, a degree of humility, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there's, I don't know too many people that are just constantly bragging about themselves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but to the extent with which it can be, a barrier for some of us to to even talk about some of the the positive things that we've done by doing these two things documenting the impact you've had on some frequency monthly quarterly whatever just mm-hmm. so you don't forget um but even in a, a building on what you said Callie is as, asking for for those people who you've maybe completed a project with is just asking hey would would you be willing to write a, a brief review of like what was well, the challenge that we tackled and what was the experience working like and then by the mm-hmm. way if you have any positive feedback i'd love to hear it mm-hmm. i think taking that stuff fast forward to the point where maybe you're wanting to to put yourself in the hat for a promotion or you're wanting to advocate you you don't necessarily have to like verbally communicate your case you've got some screenshots of clients saying what their experience was like so you've got the qualitative context and then you have some of the more quantitative context to be able to say i've done this and this Mm -hmm. and you're also making it easier for your boss or whoever it might be who's in from a consulting standpoint maybe showcasing you as a potential solution for Mm -hmm. a future client now you've got all these pieces of information that are Mm -hmm. really important you don't really have to sell yourself it's it's kind of like a this is a historical track record of yep. success. Yeah. Great stuff uh, in terms of the, I think we've got some practical takeaways there. And then um, yeah, asking your clients how they're doing, uh, what you could maybe improve on, documenting some of these wins yourself or, or through testimonials. Mm-hmm. Um, the next topic we have is, is networking. I, I know, you know, kind of for some of the same reasons why we struggle to advocate for ourself. Um, networking is a 
It's a blue ocean. There's so many things that you <laughs> yeah. can do internally, externally. But I think a lot of people do struggle with this one uh, in terms of comfort level or maybe mm -hmm. somebody maybe feel like they're an, an introvert uh, mm -hmm. or, or whatever flaws we might perceive ourselves to have or limitations. What are some, you know, to what extent have you been able to network to the best of your ability or what have been some things that maybe held you back at times? Yeah, I think finding like common passions or curiosity has been one for me. Um, people I've networked within the company or outside of the company have been because I'm interested in the work that they've done or that they do, especially someone, if I'm networking with someone that's like a few levels above me or in a different area than the company, I first usually reach out to them because like, hey, you do this type of work. I want to do this type of work. And I think opening that door to that conversation, I think one, they can become a mentor or they can just be like, a source of insight for you to know, hey, do I actually like this type of work or do I not? Or can they connect me with other people or can I get on those types of projects? Um, so I think for me, one thing has been reaching out to people that do slightly different work than me that I'm interested in. And it sounds like you you almost lead with curiosity. Right. Yeah, which I think helps, right? <laughs> well, I think that's the most authentic way to network with someone. I think I've been to a lot of networking events, um, Women's Energy Network. Like I've been to a lot of different conferences and luncheons and you can tell when someone's genuinely curious or not. Um, and so I think if you want to network effectively, don't go to something where you're not willing to have those conversations. You're not actually curious about people that go there. Like don't just go to check it off your box. Um, I think go if you genuinely have a passion or an interest in that topic or those type of that work environment or those type of people. And then that I think will significantly impact how you network and the type of relationships that come out of that. Great advice. Yeah, the people building, um, relationship During building, as you say. Um, <laughs> it's, I think, yeah, I think what Kelly said was about finding that common, common ground, but how do you find that by being curious, asking questions, uh, building, I, for me, the way I, I like to network is just building a, a relationship first, building a ground, um, background. Hey, where where'd you go to school? Or like, what's uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, um, so I think that relationship aspect of it is is the important part of, of networking. When I was just getting out of um, college, um, I felt like I had to do a lot of that because the I went to UTA in Arlington and. A lot of schools didn't uh, recruit over there. So I had to do a lot more networking with a lot more schools to get to where I wanted to be. Um, and I, it, I, it was, it was that relationship building. It was going out and actually pursuing that person, um, taking extra steps that somebody at a, at a higher um, school would have taken. But that shows to that person. Hey, this person wants to be here. This person's actually taking the time and the effort to talk to me. And great resourcefulness. You know, yeah. the, the, mm -hmm. the opportunity wasn't presented. So you figured out a way to go create an opportunity for yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I think one other area too that I, 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 I don't think as many of us are as mindful of this, but I think when we have a lot of success within either a, a team or a company or even an industry, it's very easy to get siloed. And, and not kind of see what's headed, what's coming in the future or what's, mm -hmm. what, what are, what's another really good way to solve this, even though my way is really successful. And I think that's another area where networking can pay off, um, which is just getting outside of your bubble and, yeah. and maybe talking with somebody who's in a, you mentioned you're, you do a lot, you're passionate about oil and gas, but mm -hmm. it could be healthcare, you know, just yeah. seeing what, how do they solve problems here? What are the commonalities? Mm -hmm. um, or maybe even other functions, you know, you know, as a marketer, like what, what can I learn from? somebody who's in operations. Mm -hmm. um, I think the word networking too, it might be a little, it sounds a little daunting. I would just say like, like conversation. Like in a suit with a yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like just have conversations. Uh, the way, that's the way I did it uh, in my old company, holding those different roles, shifting departments to the treasury department. I was part of the, I was leading the ERG group, the employee resource group. And so I worked with everybody in the office, different departments, marketing, legal, blah, blah, blah. And 
while while doing that, it was a a second um, blinker on the word, but it was a added benefit of working with different people in different groups. I got to know them. I got to see what they do. And when a, a role came available in the treasury department, I raised my hand. I was like, this looks interesting. I had a relationship with the VP of treasury. Like, hey, I talked to him. I'm really interested in this. So that's networking itself, volunteering for doing different stuff. You meet different people. You you build those relationships. Um, yeah, I think that it, it's more of a conversation. And I think some important takeaways for our audience here would, you know, if, if it if it helps at all, even just a, a you know a monthly calendar reminder to say I'm going to go build one new relationship with somebody. It could mm-hmm. be internally, it could be externally, um, and then I think as both of you have, have highlighted, leading with curiosity, leading with conversation. You don't. It doesn't have to be small talk. It mm-hmm. doesn't. You can be you, and it's gonna it's gonna work for somebody else because mm-hmm. there's a there's a level of curiosity and vulnerability and. I think a lot of people out there, surprisingly, the reason why people will make time, a stranger will make time with us is because I, I think they appreciate that, you know, it's not a transaction. It mm-hmm. is coming from the heart. This person wants to grow. They're wanting to accumulate knowledge. And maybe even some of those people, maybe two, three levels up, I think some of them actually see a little bit of themselves in that person. And so yeah. it makes them want to like, you, you you might do the math and go, this person's really, they've got a title. They've got to be super busy. Why would they make time? I think it's because there, there's like a little bit of paying it forward to somebody else yeah. who's got that desire and ambition and resourcefulness and curiosity mm-hmm. to go make things happen for themselves. Yeah. Um, last but not least, and I, I think all of these things play a role, but but especially for leadership roles and as you, as you move into those roles, the importance of caring and serving. And I think these this this may be obvious, but I think it's also obvious that. I've been in a lot of situations where that isn't present of somebody really caring and, and about me on another level and, and serving me. Could both of you talk about that, you know, just as you've evolved into management roles and leadership roles and uh, you've worked different environments, the, the some of the, the great cultures you've been in versus some of the ones that maybe weren't the ideal fit, how important is caring and serving really? I mean, and, you know, maybe an example or two of how just, that one variable, if it's there, this is what can happen. If it's not there, this is the, you know, what isn't happening. Yeah. I think one of the biggest, I guess, expectations I put on myself to produce or to perform well and how I measure my success has been how good of a team player I am. I think teammate, colleague, coworker, however you want to put it, if if, if the people that I work with enjoy working with me, then I feel like that has been successful for me. And the way I do that is by caring and serving and being there for your teammates or being there for your coworkers or putting in the effort to go above and beyond because maybe they're struggling with something or maybe they have too much on their plate. And I think for me, being good to work with through caring and serving has been my mo- like my biggest accomplishment more than just checking the box. Oh, she's a CPA or, Oh, she knew how to solve this problem. But like, I really enjoyed working with her. She really cared about the team, cared about providing value to the client. And then also just like you, you, you care about providing the value to the client by caring about them, understanding their desires, their needs, their wants. I think that's the best way to understand what value is the most beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. Have you always felt that way or or is is, is that become more, front of mind i think it's i think it's become more front of mind as i've gotten more experience i think at first you're kind of trying to differentiate differentiate yourself in your career you're at a public accounting company everybody's the same background as you everybody has a cpa or getting their cpa everybody has a master's degree everybody's coming out of four-year university, how are you going to differentiate yourself? So first you become a little bit selfish. You're like, oh, I'm good at this. I'm smart at this. But like those people, I don't really remember having that big of an impact. I remember the people that went out of the way and took stuff off my plate or offered to help or genuinely got to know me. And so for me, I could see the value they provided. And so I'm like, okay, that's the formula for success and providing value to other people. Yeah, it's it's adding all the stuff that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, 
you being curious about a certain person in that in those asking questions you get to know them you get to know what they like what they're struggling Again, with what they had to deal with and that helps you care for them at a, another another level than just like hey i hope you had a good weekend um like you can kind of show that you're caring about my personal life but you can add on to it uh you can be more hospital by by actually having that relationship with them and knowing what they might be struggling and provide some type of um ease for those for those struggles I'm going to ask this on behalf of there, there's got to be people and I'll, I'll raise my hand. I used to be one of them, right? Mm -hmm. I, I would, I, I don't think there would be anybody who would disagree with anything that we're saying, but I do think there's going to be somebody out there going, gosh, that requires a lot of extra time and effort. Um, yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe there, maybe nobody's thinking that and I'm the only one. Right. But, but what is the, when you do it, what is, what is the difference? Right. Because I, I think part of the reason why maybe at one point I that was my default was mm -hmm. I want to do this, but it seems like a lot of effort. Yeah. I also wasn't seeing that modeled by anybody mm -hmm. at a lot of the organizations. So it was like, well, if, if that's not part of the culture here and it's very transactional, mm -hmm. but then you may be in a different environment where that's the case. How, how big of, give, give me an example of how much of a difference this makes, you know, just one relationship that you have where that extra effort came in. What are all of the things downstream that become easier or better? I mean, it is a lot of work. Uh, maintaining relationships is a lot of work. And so you, uh, we mentioned this earlier about if it's important to you, then um, you're going to be more interested. You're going to be um, willing to do it. So the what I'm thinking about is the, the relationship with my mentor. He showed a lot of investment in me, not just career-wise but uh in my family he's met my he's met my parents we've done races together half marathons together um so it's that it's he showed his investment in me he by knowing me personally personally and, and in return i i want to do better work for for the company i want to do better work for the team um and care for the team more and it's spread the spread the same emotions that that he's providing me mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it i mean even if somebody finds themselves in an environment right now where nobody like it doesn't seem like people have that level mm -hmm. of care there's no there's no there's nothing there's no real barrier preventing them from creating that kind no. of culture yep. or having those kind of relationships yeah i think it especially like i think it definitely provides a better atmosphere i think you're more not excited you might not be excited to go to work but you're like you know what like at least i get to work with them you know mm -hmm. like i've built this relationship with them i know they care about me i care about them and so work becomes a little bit more enjoyable and i think you can also make work more enjoyable for them and i think that is a type of value that you can provide is yeah. hey you know what our accounting is a mess but the people they're coming in and they're providing value. They're picking, like they're fixing stuff and cleaning it up and making it better for the future, but also they're just fun to work with. And I think those two things are different types of value you can provide. So I think from a consulting perspective, like caring and serving and kind of getting to the root of what they want and what does va value is going to look different to everybody. So we're throwing around this word value, but like, yes, you can help their revenue numbers by cleaning up systems and um help their expenses and their overhead by cleaning up systems or you can you know get them through an MA transaction so like that is a type of value but also like making their life easier and so whatever they deem an easier life is the value you're providing well, so by helping that yeah they get to spend more time with their family right they yeah. get to go home earlier they get to go watch a game i don't know um have actually have a lunch yeah, right. you're you're doing the work for them. You're you're taking it off their plate. That's caring for them. Yeah, that is. Right. A, yeah, it's a way of caring for people. And I think it takes a degree of, I guess, emotional intelligence of just understanding and being able to have those conversations about what people want and what they value um, is a major factor into providing that service. 
Kelly said the word selfish earlier when we just started talking about this. And I think the, the thing about this caring and being hospitable, I think it's no matter what, it's a selfish thing. Like you can do something nice for somebody, but you're doing it because you feel better mm. inside too, right? So it's still a selfish thing, but that's okay. Like it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to even have a, um, a selfish uh you're you're starting this for a selfish reason i want to be better than my peers i want to stand out but you're still gonna help the other person out and you're gonna help yourself out too so it's i think it's a win-win when when you care for people i i I was i was trying to think of a quote that i just read but it was something along the lines that my selfish needs keep me sane they give me the bad and the good. I forgot the the second part of it, but the, my selfish needs keep me sane. Is it's what uh, what I took from that um, from that quote. I love how you presented it in a different light because I mm-hmm. I think there's you know selfish doesn't have to to just be for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, or, or you you said it much better, but but it's I think that is a really refreshing way to 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 look at it. It's, it doesn't so much matter how it starts, but but I think we all would like to be on teams or work with people or have friends or be in relationships, whatever. If we're going to spend time with another human being, with somebody who cares about us. And so, you know, key takeaway here, practical time, make the time. Yeah. Like go, go put in that extra effort mm-hmm. because if for no other reason, then that's what you would want on the other side. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's life's going to be tough. Business is going to be tough. The economy, all these things are going to be constantly changing. But it's nice to have a stronger relationship with somebody. Uh, you did mention one thing before we wrap up, Kelly, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Some people score high in that. Mm-hmm. Some people, it doesn't come as natural to. You know, there's people who just in certain situations, they're not thinking, what was it like to be on the other side of me not pausing for 30 seconds and asking this question? What are some things that that person can do to kind of break through the, maybe their natural tendencies and try to recondition a, a different habit? Yeah, I think some people, it's not necessarily that you're either born with it or without. I think you can develop emotional intelligence. I think it comes back to like where your head is at in the moment too. I think some people might enter into interactions or meetings and kind of just be thinking about, I need to get through these points today, or I need to make this, uh, deliver this status report, or I need to do this, this, and this. So their head isn't thinking about that. But like, when you're going into meetings, especially with your client, and it is a status update or like there's going to be enough time um, to just to have a basic conversation, like clearing your mind of like, write it down what you need to talk about. But when you first start the meetings, like clear your mind and genuinely just like, don't have a work conversation, just have like a personal conversation. Like, how are you? How was your weekend? How was the game? How was your kid's soccer team, the game? You know, like, I think we get so wrapped up with, oh my gosh, like I'm stressed out. I have to get through this, this and this and this meeting, but like write it down on your notes and then just like open up without even thinking about what you need to get done. Cause I think that's the best way if you struggle with emotional intelligence or just like figuring out how to train yourself. I just think the reason people lack it is just because they've got a million other things going on in their head and they're not putting that person at the forefront or that interaction at the forefront and trying to like read the person and kind of get a but feel like, for you how like, they're doing that's a really really powerful way to put it i think that's for me that i think it covers almost every time it's <laughs> this like internal like i gotta keep moving i got so many i got 150 things i need to get done so i don't have time for this but by making time for it a lot mm-hmm. of those things become easier a lot of those things allow me to maybe figure out well this is the bottleneck that this person is experiencing and this is why maybe they're behaving this way instead of making assumptions or skipping past those details there's multiple other levels that can be achieved by making mm-hmm. that time and effort. Great discussion. We've covered a lot. Um, I love putting people on the spot. So uh, if, if I were to ask you to maybe look in, look in the camera and what would be one piece of advice summarizing everything we've talked about? What would be one thing that the, the version of you now would say to the, uh, to the version of you who was like oh, first God. six months of your career? Oh, man. Um, ask questions. Get to know people. Uh, that's that's been the greatest, my greatest help as I've progressed in my career. Putting yourself out there and not not being afraid to say that you don't know stuff, or like knowing that you're gonna fail. And it's okay. 
Yeah, I guess my advice to me would be to focus on the relationships of the people that you work with and don't definitely don't burn bridges, just like build on that network and relationships that you're building. And then also don't be afraid to speak up for yourself and be confident in your abilities, no matter if you're a first year associate or years into your career, you'll always need to advocate for yourself. And mine would be a reminder that uh, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, make some time and go learn from people who've got a different perspective or more experience doing things that you want to achieve yourself. Thank you both for your time, Callie. Thank As you. always, David, welcome to the show, man. Yes. We'll have you back again soon. Yeah, Appreciate both please. of you. It's fun. Thanks. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got a ton of value from our panel and choose to transform their insights into action and unstoppable momentum. If you have a follow-up question or a future topic request, please email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com. That's podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll get you wherever you want to grow. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom to help you work smarter and level up faster. And lastly, if you're a repeat listener, consider supporting the show with a five-star rating so those algorithms can expand our reach and impact. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Cheers.